We pray that as you listen to this message, you will be challenged and encouraged through God's Word. Here at Heartsease Family Life Church, it has always been our desire to see people's lives totally impacted and changed. His Word promises to accomplish that. For more information in regards to our church, you can call us at 225-274-1607 or visit us on the web at www.hflc.us. We look forward to hearing from you. Be blessed now as you listen to God's Word. together there's a sense of achievement that we have and it brings a bonding together so matters are going to happen but when we tackle them and handle them in the right way they can bring strength to our homes not 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 weakness but can bring stability and can bring great help but then there's also the thought of family matters meaning that family is important come on they matter they should matter to you. Come on, they have great worth that I must value them. I need to give my family the necessary time and attention that they need. Why? Because my family matters to me. My family matters to me. Here's the scripture that we've been looking at for this course, and it's Psalms 101, verse 2 from the Message Bible, and it says, I am doing the best that I can. Right at the end, look, I am doing the very best that I can, and I am doing it at home where it counts. Don't you love that? I am doing the best that I can, and where am I doing it? I'm doing it at home where it counts. Come on, say with me, where it matters. Family matters. Where it matters is where I'm doing it. If you're taking notes today, and I pray that you are because you need this stuff, here's the first thing that you need to write on your paper, and that is this. Your number one ministry is your family. Your number one ministry is your home. It has to start there. People want to be used in ministry, as in standing up and leading people, and that's great, but your first responsibility that God requires of each one of you is for you to be leading in your home. For you to be the spiritual head as the father, as the husband, and for you to be the mother, the love, the compassion, that to work together, be in unity and create. That's our number one ministry in the home. And we're not just talking to parents, we're talking to the young people too, to children, to the teens. That applies to you. Your number one ministry is your family, to be a part of your family and doing whatever it takes to be obedient to be in line with the God's word. And I realize today that we're not all parents in here. And sometimes when you talk about family, a lot of people shut off because, man, I don't have a family. I'm, I'm not married. I don't have this. Whether you're married or not, whether you're parents or not, every one of us have parents. And this whole course is not just designed for parents with kids, but it talks about us as kids, how to talk to, how to handle, how to be in relationship with our parents too. And some may say, well, I don't have parents anymore, or I don't have relationship with my parents. We pray that after this, those who are out of relationship with your parents, you'll get in relationship. And those of you that maybe don't have parents, I I really encourage each one of you, find a parent in the house. 
Find someone in the house that can help you to be a parent to you, just to love you and to give you the support that you need. So today we're going to minister in a slightly different mode. It's kind of a different style. The last couple of weeks we've, we've really preached, we've shouted a lot, we've got excited a lot, which is great. Today we're going to teach more. This is going to be more of a teaching. But I think it's going to be so great for you as we go through the materials, because I think variety in church is good. If we just shout at you every week... Come on, it gets old. We we just like to mix it up because that's what we are. I heard one preacher say this, I don't want my church to get married to just one style. And so we have different people, different styles, different ways. But we just really believe that as we teach today, there's going to be a great opportunity for you to learn. And you need this stuff because it's very important to get it right And I pray that it will be totally apparent to you what needs to happen in your life. So get your notebooks out, as I said. Come on, get your phones out, but put them on airplane mode so you don't get texts and you don't check your Facebook while you're supposed to be taking notes. Get your tablets. Just take notes in the house. And as you're doing this, I I just want to open up my heart to you, and that is this. When I was preparing this message, I was totally challenged to the very core of my being. In fact, I was so challenged that I had to go home and put some things right in my home. I sat down with Luke after preparing this message and I looked him square in the eyes and I had tears running down my face and I looked at him and I said, Son, I'm not the dad and I haven't been the dad that you need me to be. I'm sorry for the way I've treated you. I'm sorry for the things that I've said and I'm sorry for crushing your spirit. I was challenged to the core. Because I realized that so many times we can do things and we think we're doing them for the best of our ability, but yet we can be hurting and we can be harming those around us. And I asked Luke, I said, son, I said, I promise I'm going to be a better dad. Because you see, with girls, it's a little bit different because with boys, you kind of have that struggle, that power struggle. As men, you have that struggle more than what you do with girls. And I know I need to be better and do things different. And I'm probably over the next, I'm telling you right now, I'm going to be having some conversations with my daughters. I've already got one lined up and ready for Hannah tomorrow on the way to school. Because why? I just want you to know I'm not preaching something to you that I'm not applying to my own life. And that God is not challenging me with that I had to repent. Listen to me, I had to repent and ask for forgiveness. I had to repent. And don't think I'm, a, I'm not an abusive father. I haven't been beaten. It's not. And it's just things that I realized that I have taken personally that he never intended to be personal. And we're going to discover that, I really believe, as we go through that today. But again, I say all that just for you to realize today. I really, truly believe there is something here for every one of you. For the past few years in this church, we have taught a marriage series called Love and respect. Absolutely a phenomenal marriage series, love and respect. What we discovered is that ladies and men are different. We discovered that ladies see pink, they hear pink, they speak pink. They have pink earphones, they have pink megaphones, they have pink glasses. And that's great, but the problem is that men have blue ones. So men speak blue, men hear blue, and men see blue. So what can be said by pink can be misinterpreted by blue. Because why? We're not wrong, we're just, we're just different. That was the thought. We're not wrong, we're just different. And that's okay because we are different by divine plan. God made us that way. 
God made us male and female, and he did not make a mistake. Have you ever thought, man, God, if I was you, come on, let's be honest, we're in church. If I was you, God, I would have made my wife a whole lot different. Come on, guys, don't leave me hanging today. Come on, come on, who, who, come on, who out of the guys in here, put their hand up and be honest in church. Jacob did a sneaky one. He put his arm around his wife. I saw that, he kind of went around his wife. Come on, ladies, I know the ladies are going to be amening and high-fiving with this one. How many of you said, if I was God, I would have made my husband a whole lot different? But God did it by divine plan, and God doesn't do anything by mistake. He does everything for perfect reason. And I love the biblical truth. It's a biblical truth, love and respect. Look what I mean. Ephesians 5 verse 33, it says this. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself. Speaking to the men, love your wife as yourself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. What happens? She needs love. He needs respect. He feels love by her respect. She feels love by him valuing her, by him loving her. And what we're going to show you throughout the course of this month is this. In the family matters, we're going to show you that love and respect, pink and blue, are not just for marriage, but they are also for your home and for your family. Because we are going to discover that it's not just a marriage thing, but it's a need that we have in our family and home too. We're going to show and we're going to see the fact or really the truth that what we need as parents may not be what they need as kids. Did you catch that? We're going to see that what we need as parents is not necessarily the same as what they need as kids, but yet we both need what we need. My kids need different to me, but they need what I can give them because without that, they will not have it. And as I meet their deepest need, what happens? That it unlocks their heart. As they respond to me and meet that need in me for respect, what does it do? It unlocks my heart and it makes me the parent that I need to be for what my kids need. I wonder how, here's the question I ask myself, I wonder how our marriages our homes and our families would look if everyone was giving everything they needed to everyone else. Come on, they were given everything that we were all given, everything we needed to be happy, to be fulfilled, and to be blessed. I wonder what our homes would look like. I'm going to tell you what our homes would look like. Are you ready? They would look exactly as God designed them to be. They would look like God intended them to be. Because in the process of me giving what they need and them giving what I need, everyone's going to be happy. Everyone's going to be fulfilled. Everyone is going to have exactly what they need. Come on, I didn't say giving everybody everything they wanted. Come on, that's a big difference. Wants and needs is a completely difference. Because so many times what we want and, and what we need are so foreign from each other. And, and, and what we're going to realize is this, you can't buy what you need either. We can't buy out the fact that our kids need love. We can't buy love by 
a new gaming station. We can't buy love, buy tickets to LSU. Thank God for those things. They're great. But there is no substitute for what they really need to be given to their lives. That's wants that they want. But what do they need? Kids need to be loved and parents need to be respected. We're going to see that more and more. But we cannot replace respect or love with material things. It has to be who we are. So here's how it would work. If we received everything we needed, we could be everything we were created to be. We could really end the series right there and say everyone lived happily ever after if we would just give what the other person needs because in return they would then give what we need. But we know that's not the case, is it? It's not the case. One of the reasons is because we're human. One of the reasons is because we're selfish. You know one word that messes up all that unity of just giving and, is the word frustration. Come on, it's just one of many words, but we can get so frustrated many times. We can be frustrated with our kids. Come on, parents, that's a chance for you to say amen. Come on, we can get frustrated with our kids. I know all the young people and the kids, they, they, can, get dis, they can get frustrated with us. And frustration is something that's massive in the home today. It's destroying the family unit. And that frustration, along with other things, is part of what we have called the crazy cycle that we're going to explain a little bit more in a greater depth in a few moments. But to sum up the crazy cycle, we're spinning out of control. That just something's said and then something's done and then something more is said and done. And it's just a craziness. Nothing seems to be solved. Everything's put to the side. There's no harmony. There's not a harmonious unit. There's not a unit. There's just a mess. There's just a mess in that. And that's a Christian way to say it. Come on, it's just a mess. Because there's a lot of disarray and things that's going on in our lives. And many times in our marriages and in our homes and families... We don't have what we need because we are unwilling to give what they need. We don't have because we're unwilling to give. Now you can turn around and say, well, when they act right, when she does right, when he does right, when he deserves it, then I will give it. You've got to be so careful with that thought because the thought is this, who made you God? When you decide to do what God has commanded you to do. Come on now. You've gone quiet in the house. But you are told by God, not asked by God, but you are told of God to give even if you don't receive in return. So when we build our marriage, when we build our family on our home on the fact of, well, if they deserve it, then I'll give it. Crazy cycle. We don't give what they deserve. We give what they need. We don't give what they deserve, we give them what they need. Let me show you this scripture from the Word of God, and I think it will really help you. It's not a scripture that's preached too much, but it's a great scripture. 1 Corinthians 7, we're going to read two verses, verse 3 and 4. It says this, Let the husband render to his wife the affection that is due her, 
And likewise also the wife to her husband. New Living Translation says that we should not deprive each other of sexual intimacy. Okay, so he's talking about in intimacy, in a marriage relationship, that one shouldn't be withhold from the other. As a husband, we need to give to our wives. As a wife, we need to give to our husbands. Verse 4. The wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. And likewise, the husband doesn't have authority over his own body, but the wife does. Here's the picture. The picture is this, and I love how New Living Translation says, it says that they give authority to each other. So as a husband, I give authority over my body, who I am to my wife. As a wife, I give authority over to my husband. But before you get all excited, he's not just talking about sex. Come on, he's not just talking about sex. He is, but there's more to it than just that. Some of you just woke up. Did he just say what I thought he said in church? Come on, this is getting exciting now. Preach, pastor. Come on. But I want you to think about this. Here's the point that Paul is making. The point that Paul is making is this. It's not about me. It's about you. Come on, it's not about me, but it's about me giving who I am to you. And as I give who I am to you, then you will give who you are to me. Come on. You've got to see this. Because this is the point he is making. The point he is making is period is this. It's not about me. But it's about you. And it's about me giving you everything that you need. Think where our marriages, think where our homes, think where our families would be when and if we adapt that biblical principle right. The godly approach that what I am is not mine, but I give it freely to you. To be the husband that I need to be. To be the father that I need to be. Think what it would be as children. That I'm not my own, but I give my life to my parents. I give my life. Why? So I can be everything that I want. Just think how that would change and alter the whole world. And I know we're laying a big foundation today because this is really just the introduction and it's a, a big one. But the reason why it's a big one is because this is a big subject. This is an important subject. Why? Because family matters. And we've got to get it right. But the thought of giving doesn't and won't just change our home. Putting others first, meeting their needs, that would impact and change the entire world for good and for God. Think about then what I've just said. Listen to this. If I meet the needs of others, if I give what I am required to give to my spouse, to my kids, to those around, then those people will respond differently and correctly to me. Did you catch that? When I meet the needs of others and give them what they need, those people will respond differently and correctly to me and give me what I need, hopefully. But there's a clause in this, are you ready? But even if they don't, even if they don't, because some won't, and we are all human and we won't all the time 
do things right. We won't. We, we, we just can't because our sin nature still rises up inside of us. So, so sometimes the response that I think I should get back, I don't get back. So what do I do? I am still required by God to still do that. Come on, listen to me right now. I am still required of God to give those things that they need, whether they give them back to me or not. It's still my responsibility. And as I fulfill my responsibility, I break the crazy cycle. I break that which is spinning out of control. In marriage, we say this, who moves first? The most mature one. It's the same in the family. Who's going to move first? Parents say, well, I'm more mature than my kids. Well, start acting like an adult. Because we've got kids that are raising kids. We've got kids who have more common sense and and seem to know things better than their parents. Come on, we've got to mature. We've got to man up. We've got to woman up. We've got to be what we need to be. So what? So we can give them what they need. You can't give what you haven't got. You've got to give from what you have got. And that's so important for each one of us. I'm required to do. That's my responsibility. That's one thing that I'm going to have to stand before God. We're talking about the marriage. We're talking about family in the home. I'm going to have to stand before God one day and give an account of how I have handled my spouse, my kids and my home life. I'm going to stand before God and have to give an account. I'm going to have to give an account of the words that I've maybe spoken and how I've lost my temper with my kids. I'm going to have to give an account of the way I have behaved and reacted in a wrong way. I'm going to have to give an account for those things. Those wrong things in my life. And I pray that you see this today. I pray that you're having writer's cramp, writing down all this stuff because you can't get it. Why? Because your family matters. I wish they would just change. You need to change. You need to change. Because when you change and you give them what they need, you'll be amazed at what begins to happen because as you meet their needs, you unlock their hearts. But let's be honest, we live in a very selfish world today. It's a very self-centered world. Here's the motto, I believe, of the world that we live in today. And that's this, when I get, then I'll give. If if they ask me for forgiveness, then I'll forgive them. When I get, I'll give. If someone's wronged me until they come back and make things right, then, then I'll do that. But that's the motto of the world today, which is completely against the word of God. Because God says, when you give, then you will get. Did you catch that? Luke 6 verse 38 says, God says, give and it will be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. But what's the last part of that verse? We like the first part of the verse, but the Bible says in the same measure that we use, the same measure we give is the same measure that we're going to receive. It's going to come back to us. So we can't expect great things to come back if we're not sowing great things. We can't expect peace in our home if we're not given peace. We cannot expect happiness if we're not given happiness. Come on, because with whatever we give, that's what we're going to get back. Now, I know a lot of people use that scripture for finance when they're talking about tithing. As we give, God will give back to us. It's a good scripture for that. But really, it's not a scripture about money. Did you catch that? It's not a scripture about money. 
It's a scripture about the principles that we need to apply to our life. A principle of what? As we give, we're going to receive. Jesus, before this verse, he speaks about these things. Here's what he's talking about. He's talking about loving your enemies. He's talking about not judging other people. That's what he's talking about in that chapter. And then he sums it all up by saying the way you give, the way you respond, who you are to other people determines what you're going to get back in return. Watch for those that we so quickly judge. Watch for those who are wrong. God says, watch your response. Because what you give and how you respond to them is how it comes back to you. I realise today I haven't even given you the title of the message. Here it is. Are you ready? You've probably figured it out because it's on the screen. Are you ready? Here's the title of our message today. Fire, then aim, then get ready. Fire, then aim, then get ready. Anyone notice anything wrong with that title? Backwards. Completely backwards. And the reason why we have presented it like that is because... I believe that too often in our homes, in our marriages, in our families, we do things completely the wrong way around. We misread circumstances. We misunderstand what has been said. And therefore, our response is completely backward. And instead of us giving, we build up walls. We build up barriers. And it becomes about us. Jesus says that in order for a marriage and a home to be successful, he says this has to happen too, have to become one. But what's happened today is people have become one, but one in themselves. All about themselves. I am one. No, you're one with each other. But we've become self-centered. So in the home, what we realize is this, parents need respect and kids need love. Not wrong just different. And let's back that up with scripture. Look what it says in Ephesians 6 verse 1 through 3. It says, children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. What a promise that comes connected to the command. As you as children obey and honor your parents, then the Bible says that your life will be blessed. You'll have wealth. You'll have prosperity. You'll have a happy, full, long life on this earth. Notice, however, it doesn't say children love your parents. Of course you should, and you need to love your parents. But there is nowhere specifically in Scripture does it command children to love their parents. Why? Because through obeying and honoring Through respecting their parents, they receive the love that they need from their children. Did you catch that? Parents need respect. So as their children respect them, to honor and obey, two different things. You can do something and you can obey without honor. Honor is an attitude. Obey is an action. So it's not just cleaning your room. It's cleaning your room with the right attitude. Come on, that's honor and obey. It's not just doing something, say, I've done it. It's honor and obey. And as we do that as young people, it shows respect to our parents. And our parents feel that love because they need that respect. And listen, parents, when you feel that respect, guess what your response is? 
to give love. It's how it works. It's how God made us. So let's look then at the children's part, or or the parents' part rather, and it's in Titus 2 verse 4, the very last part there, it says, man that's the wrong scripture I guess, oh no there it is, right at the end look, it says that they are to admonish the young women to love their husbands, look at this, to love their children, it's speaking to parents that your responsibility is to love your children, doesn't say to respect them. And nowhere in the scripture does it say that. But it does tell us in the word of God that we are to love them because by our love, through our love, they feel the love that they need. They get what they need to function and unction through life. And when they get what they need, they will show respect to you. And that's the love and respect. As we give, we will get back. Do you see that? That's how God designed it to be. And when it is like that, that it is awesome but there's the crazy cycle say with me the crazy cycle and here's the crazy cycle are you ready the crazy cycle goes like this without love a child reacts without respect and without respect a parent reacts without love. Let me say that one more time. Without love, when a child does not get the love that they need, they respond or they react without respect. So when they don't get what they need, they don't give the parent what they need. That's the crazy cycle, the war that goes on so many times. But you see, when the parents, if they don't get with, and if, if they are without respect, then a parent reacts unlovingly, doesn't give the love that they need. And again, the cycle begins and spins out of control. And we have story after story after story that we could tell in regards to that. Wouldn't life be great, talking to the parents now, Wouldn't life just be great if our kids totally cooperated to us, if they listened and obeyed? Wouldn't we be the greatest parents on the face of this earth? Wow, life would be great. But come on, let's come back to reality. It's not going to happen all the time. And we're going to discover it's okay that it doesn't happen all the time. It's not totally a bad thing. Why? Because they're just kids. And kids do some stupid things. But again, kids, we can't use that excuse. Come on, if we're still parting the beard to put in the bottle, come on, you're too big. Come on, we can't use that excuse forever. As kids, we did foolish things. The Bible says, when I was a child, I spoke like a child. I acted, I behaved, paraphrased. But it says, now I'm an adult. Now I'm a man, I'm a woman. I've turned away from those childish things. I've now become mature in who I'm supposed to be. But things are not going to go well all the time. And there can be times when parents, we can feel that we are a parental failure. I've been there many times. That you feel that you're a parental failure. And we've all been there. And those of us who have been there, we can compare notes. And those of you who haven't been there, write down notes because you're going to be there one day. Thinking to yourself, man, if only I could just have a break. Kelly and I watched a movie the other night. It's really cool. Have you seen Mother, was it Mother's Night Out or Day Out? It's a funny, funny movie. 
just, if, if they could just get away, just, I need a break, I need space, I've got stress, what is it, a stress, you know, I can't move because of stress, all these things, we can think so many times, man, if only I could just get away, life would be great, I'm a failure, I've done wrong, and my kids are this and that, and that. it's never going to be perfect all the time, and it's not just the kids who are the ones that will mess up, because we mess up as parents too. And so with all of this craziness goes on, we feel guilty when we come back to our right thinking. We feel guilty for thinking like that. We feel guilty for wanting to give up and to quit. And so I want to try and help you in all the craziness by presenting a few questions that I really think that will help. To help to decode, to help the craziness, to help to stop the cycle. Here's question number one. Are you ready? Question number one. Am I overreacting to kids just being kids? It's a good place to start, isn't it? Which I understand wrong behavior is wrong, period. But yet, are my kids just being kids? Most of the time, parents, we unfortunately overreact to the fact that our kids are just being kids. We expect them, we say this to them, you should know better. Where we as parents many times don't know better. But we assume things on them. Well, you should just know better. But our kids are going to be kids. It's hard to correct your kids sometimes when you're laughing. Anyone being there that your kids do some things that are wrong, but yet, man, they are so funny. And you're trying to correct them and tell them that's wrong, but you're just like busting out laughing because it's really funny what they've just done. It's hard to do that, but kids are kids. I've had to look at Kelly, and Kelly and I have had to talk some things with our kids with school and their behavior and just different things. We've just had to come to the realization that some of those things are just kids being kids. And they're not expected to be perfect. They're not going to be perfect. And they can't do everything perfect. Why? Because I'm an adult and I'm not perfect. And I still don't do everything perfect. And I still don't act perfect. Anyone else with me in the hands? But yet sometimes we expect our kids, and as a result, we overreact to them just being kids. Look at this, parents. Everything they do that feels like disrespect is not always disrespect. Everything they do that feels like, man, they're disrespecting me, because I need respect as a parent. And everything that they do wrong or say wrong that feels like disrespect, I want to tell you, it's not always disrespect. Ask yourself this question, are they responding in a wrong way because they feel unloved? Because they need love. And without love, they're going to act without respect. So ask yourself in this situation, am I not giving them what I need in this situation? Ask yourself... Am I really feeling disrespected or really what's going on here? And then here's the last question that you need to ask yourself, and that is this. How will I parent God's way regardless? What's the right thing for me to do in this situation? Because we can overreact without just really thinking things through. Look at this. Irresponsibility is not the same as disrespect. Irresponsibility, because that's what kids are. They're irresponsible. They forget things. They leave things. They're kids. They're kids. It's like Arnold said today, they don't buy it. I love it when, when, when kids, my, my nephew was just over from England and he talked about how much his shoes cost him. I said, they didn't cost you a penny. He said, yes, I did. I said, no, they didn't. I said, your dad bought them for you. 
you know, kids talk about how much stuff costs. They don't have to worry about it. They don't pay for nothing. We pay for it. And as a result of us paying for it, if it breaks or something happens to it, it's okay because it didn't cost me anything anyway. And I'll just ask dad for something else. That's just a child's way of thinking, being irresponsible. But it's not the same as being disrespectful. By their actions and the wrong things that they do, I don't think that kids wake up in the morning and say, I'm going to do everything wrong today so I completely disrespect my parents. I don't believe that's their intentions. That's what they do because they're kids. But they're not doing it just to disrespect their parents. How many times do you have to instruct your kids to brush their teeth? Anyone anyone with Kelly and I that every night we have to tell our kids the same thing? Have you brushed your teeth? And they're shocked every night. Luke, Luke's shocked every night. He's like, oh, no. It's like, wow, I have to brush my... This is something new. I've never heard of this before. Shocked every night. You know what? Sometimes here's where I respond. For goodness sake, I shouldn't have to tell you the same thing every night. You should just get that. And it can feel disrespectful. And it can be like, man, don't you listen to what I say? Don't you follow me? And you start to fume over the fact that they're just irresponsible. And the fact of the matter is this, brushing their teeth is not a priority to them. Because if their teeth rot out, mum and dad would just pay to get braces and just get them fixed. But you see what I'm saying? It's not a priority to them. So we've got to be so careful we don't overact to kids just being kids. Now, teenagers, you better be brushing your teeth without us asking you every night. You better know that good breath you need. Come on. But am I overreacting to my kids just being kids? Question number two. Am I reacting or am I responding? Am I reacting or am I responding? And there's a massive difference. Because if I'm reacting to a situation, you know what that tends to be? A knee-jerk response. And one that if I gave more time and I gathered more information, I probably wouldn't handle the same way that I did. Come on, anyone ever reacted? Just done something just in a reaction like that and then you suddenly thought or you said something or you just did and you're like, man, golly, I should never have said that. Should never have done that. We've got to watch that we're not reacting out of impatience, frustration, and sometimes exhaustion, or all of the above. Because to respond, which is the right thing to do, is not to lose it. Come on, it's not to lose it. Come on, parents, we've lost it at times. Because we've reacted instead of responded to a situation. You can't take things back that you say. We've got to be careful that we don't do things that we know we shouldn't do. But instead, as we respond to a situation, what do we do? We sit back. We just take some time. We just, we breathe. We just get our thoughts together. So what? We can respond in a correct manner. Because to respond is to ask even this question. Why are they acting that way? Are they acting out of childishness? Or maybe is it because they feel unloved? You see, we can react and say, what's your problem? But when we begin to respond, we can maybe see that there is an issue that's here that needs to be dealt with. And that they are doing that because they need my love. They need my assurance. They need what I need to be. 
I know that Kelly has had to pull me in for this a few times over the last... I've had to go to the principal's office a few times. And it's been more frequently since Judah's been born because when you don't have a full night's sleep, it can get on you after a while. And I know that I have reacted many times in the home where I should have and I need to respond. Because as we begin to react, it sends a full spin of us onto the crazy cycle. Because remember, without the love, the child will react without respect. And without respect, the parent's going to react without love. makes you dizzy just thinking about it. But to respond breaks the cycle by decoding and diffusing the situation. Today, we're going to, that's what we're talking about, decoding. Next week, we're going to talk about diffusing the situation. So really, this week, we're talking about identifying the problem. Next week, we're going to talk about solving the problem. So if you're not here next week, you're only going to have a problem. You're not going to have a solution. So you need to be back next week. Here's question number three. Are you ready? What's the real issue here? What is the real issue here? I will say this, that many times the issue is not really the issue. I want that to sink into you. Many times the issue is not really the issue or what it becomes. The main issue is now no longer what the issue becomes. Let me explain that. If a child is kicking and screaming because she doesn't or he doesn't want to go to bed because they're watching their favorite show on TV, they're playing with their favorite toys... But yet we put them to bed and as we take them to the room, they're kicking and screaming. We put them in their beds and we say, you're going to sleep. We turn off the light. And what is the words that we hear out of their mouth many times? You don't love me. You don't love me. And they sob themselves to sleep. What's the issue here? The issue is not really that they don't feel loved. The issue is this. They just want to play longer and don't want to go to bed. But if we don't watch, the issue cannot be dealt with, but another issue can be that we begin to take things like that personally. We feel disrespected by that, and therefore we begin to react and we respond in a wrong way. Watch what the issue is in situations. Ask yourself, what is the issue? Is it that they need love? Is it that I'm being disrespected? What is the issue really here? The issue in that case is this. A kid's just wanted to be a kid, and they just wanted to play, and they wanted to do So we've got to be really careful because the issue, or what isn't the issue, can become the issue. And we've got to learn to decode. We've got to see pink and blue. We've got to understand that maybe it is because they feel unloved. Maybe it is because we feel disrespected. Maybe it's a mixture of the both, but many times it's not. It's just the fact of the circumstances and the situations and the fact that I have to do things as a parent that they're not always going to like, they're not always going to respond to. But I'm telling you, as I do those things, they will feel love because one of the ways a child feels love is through discipline, through correction, especially when handled in the right way, that we do it in a loving fashion. So we've got to learn to decode because we can so easily as parents deflate the spirits of our kids. And to do that, we don't have to physically correct them, but we can deflate them with our words, with our comparisons and our pressures. We've got to watch that we don't compare our kids to even our other kids. And why can't you be like your sister? Why can't you be like your brother? Why can't you do that? Because at least they know this. What a pressure. We deflate our kids with our words. We've got to be careful because then what the issue is can become a bigger issue. We've got to watch that we don't put pressure 
on our kids to try and be something that God doesn't intend for them to be. The Bible says train them up in the way they should go. That means we need to know and we need to see what God wants to do in their life and we need to train them accordingly to that because if we don't, we can deflate them, causing them to lose heart, making them confused about how to please us. Then their spirits are quenched and everything, eventually they're going to close off to us as they lose heart and guess what? Parents will lose their hearts. Watch what the issue is really is. I think this is easier for a father to do, to struggle here. And this is where I was with, Paul, with Luke, because so many times I think, as a father, as a man, I need respect. That's what men need. Women need love. So as a man, I need respect. As a parent, I need respect. So literally, as a male parent, it's almost like sometimes I need double respect. And so there can be a struggle that goes on here. But I've got to watch that I don't misread the main issue and make it something else that it never intended to be. Are you following this today? Come on, I know we're not hearing many amens, but that's okay as long as it's sinking in. So we've got to watch because by deflating their love tank, it can lead to other dangers happening in their life. A child who feels their spirit is being crushed can be an angry child. Anger can be one of the ways that that manifests inside of a child. Ephesians 6 verse 4 says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, to wrath, but bring them up in the training and the admonition of the Lord. New Living Translation says, Fathers, don't exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in training and instruction of the Lord. In other ways, lead them God's way by his example. Because anger can have tragic results in the lives of children. We see it all the time. Kids going into schools, killing each other now. And things, children shouldn't do that. Adults shouldn't do that. But it's because of a lack. It's because of issues not being handled right. Because of situations not being decoded. Parents and children live in separate lives. Not giving to each other what they need, buying what they need, but not giving what they buying what they want, but not giving what they need. Incidents can both deflate and provoke our children, happen all the time, where they wind up feeling unloved, and where we in the process also feel disrespected and like failures because we blew it again. And if left there, it grows larger and spins out of control on the crazy side. You've got to stop and ask yourself, come on, what's going on in my kid's heart right now? What is the issue? What is going on in their heart right now? But then I've also got to say, God, what's going on in my heart right now? Because if my heart's not right, I cannot respond right to them. And I cannot give them what they need. By their disrespectful actions, intended or not, Yes, we can feel disrespected and we can act unlovingly. But we've got to put our pride down. We've got to be the bigger person. And we've got to respond the right way. Come on, parents, when your kids are feeling and responding in the wrong way and you're feeling disrespected, don't be afraid to sit down with your parents your children and begin to talk to them about the fact of my needs are different to yours. And you see, as we work together and as we give and as we do, explain these things to your kids so they won't respond and won't react in the wrong way. Next week, we're going to look at diffusing situations. Today, I hope we've learned to decode. Are my kids just being kids? Am I reacting or am I responding? What really is the issue? Because it's so important. Why? Because my family matters. My family matters. Sometimes in family, it seems like we take three steps forward and we... Fall one back. 
But can I remind you today, three steps forward, one step back is still two steps forward. None of us are going to be perfect. We're going to all make mistakes. But what if we could get to a place where we are given what the other person needs? Because as we all give and we all do our part, it breaks the craziness. And we can be everything that God wants us to be. Would you stand to your feet with us today? I hope you received that today. Into your life today. And I just want to pray for you today as families. I want to pray for you as parents. And if there's anyone here today that you just want special prayer at the end of the service, we're just going to invite you forward and you can come forward and we would love to pray with you. We're going to have prayer partners and people here that will pray with you. But I want to pray for every one of you today as parents, as children. I just want to pray for you today. Because maybe some of you just even through this message, you just felt such a failure and you're like, man, I've just let God down. I've let my family, I've let my kids down. Listen, you're only a failure when you quit. There's no better day than to make the right decisions and choices. There's no better day to start again than today. And you can start again today by God's grace and his mercy and he can help you. Just like with me and Luke in the car. Luke, I I, I repent. I ask for forgiveness. Let's start again. Let's do things again. Because I allowed him not brushing his teeth. I I allowed those little things just to, he's just disrespecting who I am. He's just been a kid. He's just been a kid. Now we correct those things, but we don't let them harm us into the fact that we respect, we respond in an unleavened way because without love, he's going to respond without respect. And the crazy cycle begins. Let me pray for every one of you. You've got your family around you. Just join hands with them. We'll just pray for each other today. Do you have any... We would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard, but we also know it will be changed as you put God's word into effect. At Heart Seas Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.